Hello, and thank you for joining me for the Wild Wonder Podcast's very first episode of 2023. Happy New Year. I'm your host, Kristen Yorka. And on this podcast, we seek to democratize and demystify wellness practices by speaking with today's leading practitioners from around the world. I'd like to start this episode by sharing a statistic that comes as a shock to absolutely no one in the Western world. The top three resolutions for Americans, according to Statistica, are related to food and body image. By those odds, you or someone you know is looking to change their relationship with food right now. That's where our next Wild Wonder podcast guest, Dr. Mikaela Chernikova, comes in. Yoga teacher and intuitive eating coach Mikaela helps women redefine their relationship with food to create sustainable, healthy habits while preventing the development of stress and junk food-related diseases, sleep disorders, and negative mental patterns. I picked up more than a few helpful tips during this interview that I was able to put into action right away, so I know you will too. So without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Micaela, and welcome to the Wild Wonder podcast. Thank you, Kirsten. Hello. Hi, you're joining us from the Czech Republic, right? Yes, yes, I'm Czech Republic, yeah. I've never been. And you help women with emotional eating or how to relearn how to eat. Can you tell us a little bit about your work? Yeah, so um, emotional eating, what is it? Because we basically eat because we have emotions and food is connected to emotions always. So emotional eating means that people tend to use food for soothing very intense emotions or reward themselves after some stressful situations. Um, and it is often connected with emotions that are so strong that we cannot handle them anymore. Um, it is during times when there is lots of stress, uh, there is grief, there is sadness. It can be various emotions as a result that our life is actually not as, uh, not, not um, lived as we want it to live. And when we are losing the control over our imagination, how life should be, how we want it to be, then there are many different strategies to escape because we basically try to find pleasure and escape suffering. And when our life is not how we envision it, then we really suffer. And we feel, especially when we don't have things under control, we feel incapable, we feel bad about ourselves. So then we tend to escape and many people escape to alcohol. Many people can escape to drugs even, but it can be sneaky way to escape to food that is very easily accessible everywhere and standardized by society and by our family and friends and especially when we experience during childhood maybe like this reward behavior like you get some chocolate when you do something nice or good then it easily triggers our reward system in our brain, so we grab that food when we experience these things as adults. Right, and food is almost inescapable because we could, if we had a problem with alcohol, we could say, okay, well, I'm not drinking alcohol anymore. If we had a problem with sex, we could abstain for a while or try to relearn that, but you can't 
necessarily abstain from food. Yeah, yeah, we need food. Uh, we need food to, to survive. We, uh, that's the main reason why we have food. And then we need food to um, create some satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And then there is these emotions. So what we do is that we learn how to work with these emotions, actually. And uh, how you mentioned it, we cannot escape the food. That is the other part of it, because we often don't know actually how to manage the cravings that are very real because of hormonal disbalance. And oftentimes it is basically because of glucose spikes that we have like this glucose roller coaster in our blood okay. and we are unaware of it. And then we may face the issue that we have like not so strong will and we cannot mm. help ourselves but it's real because it's physiology of the body right so, so there's the emotional part of it which you spoke to yeah, but then there's also a yeah. physiological part and when you yeah. say glucose are we talking about sugar that people are not balancing out their sugars correctly yeah it's it's basically it because when we have something like many people think that smoothie is healthy right mm -hmm. but it is basically a mixture of like, we think, okay, it's apple is healthy, banana is healthy. Right. <laughs> and when you mixture it you, and, and eat it just like, or drink it just without any other food, which like many women do mm. because of, for instance, poor self body image and they skip the meals mm -hmm. and take the smoothie because it's healthy. But then you have like a huge glucose spike because okay. it's, go through uh, through the intestines to your blood very quickly and it's actually not really healthy for you first you didn't eat proper meal and right. second you have like this glucose spike so then you have uh lacking of energy very very uh, soon mm -hmm. um and you have these cravings and then you might be thinking okay but i i'm hungry or, and then you are confused because you don't know actually where where you stand at and um it might be confusing for your brain because mm -hmm. like many women are actually telling me like okay i ate this and it's healthy and now i have to exercise more and i feel tired and i feel fatigued and it's a lot of stress and it's one little thing to another little thing and then you are basically out of balance mm -hmm. and it confuses you, right? Right. Well, there's a, I, I feel like what you're speaking to, so there's dieting culture, right? I could speak to that. I was a teenager in the 90s, not to date myself, but there was high <laughs> emphasis, especially in the United States, to focus on what a body looks like versus mm. feeding a body for health or mm, sustainability yeah. or even for athletics. So there's that kind of cultural pressure. And then there might be, at least in the United States, I don't think there's a, a strong food culture around like how much a person should eat and when and how. Um, I know you're in the Czech Republic, but do you see that as well in other countries? Yeah, absolutely. And this is actually even my story because um, when I grew up, like my parents didn't have healthy food habits. They didn't know how to, how to eat, what to eat. They were happy that we had some food, basically. <laughs> it was the situation that we uh, we just had. So, uh, for instance, for uh, my mom was totally normal to skip a breakfast because she didn't like the food. And mm. 
um, for my father's side, it was the opposite for him. It was okay to take like donut for the morning and then have like normal food, like as a lunch. Mm -hmm. But if you have like one donut in the morning for right. like every day, it's not really good. Like, right. you know, and, and then there are, there are those like beliefs that we have from our parents. Like, like I heard always that uh it's inevitable for me to be obese at one day because we have it in our genes and uh that was really strong um and obviously like i had many times in my life where i was like in this yo-yo effects so i was keeping my habits and food and then there were some struggles where i was skipping the meals and um, I was tired and it was hard, so I actually was gaining weight and it was like that alarm in my brain thinking like, okay, so now it's the time and now it will be only worse. <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah, so, so I could go both directions. I could mm -hmm. go like just accepting this is the way how it is, because that's what I was taught to, or I could educate myself and like step outside of the, this like self-pity and uh, just working through it and figuring out okay i'm obviously out of balance so what will bring me not only my body but actually my emotions which are like for instance in my case like playing this huge part in this so i was working like on these emotions and I realized like, okay, uh, I'm actually in charge of my emotions and I can work with them and I can really, uh, it, it changed whole story. But I know many people that, that are just in the first version of that story, that they believe that this is who, who they are and how it will be. And actually like 36% 30 of our health is only based on our personal choices, which is the diet choice, exercise choice, social circle so choice, and just basic lifestyle, lifestyle and how we treat our emotions and mental state. Mm -hmm. So you're saying which, the other like, fifty-five percent is genetic, or no? It is uh, genetic, environmental, um, like toxins from mm. outer space. It is like multi multiple factors, mm -hmm. but 36% is only our individual oh, choices. It's that's only, huge. yeah, yeah. Especially because so, I think so, most people believe like, oh, because my parents look like this or because most yeah. of my relatives look like this, then I am doomed to repeat this scenario, yeah. right? So, yeah, yeah that's actually and really like giving that responsibility back to the person is really empowering, I think, because then you could say, okay, if this is 46% on me, then what can I, what can I do? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing is that when you are in that space, you, you know, like, it's not that you would like to keep yourself down and keep mm. yourself in unhealthy space, okay. but, um, many people like if they don't hear this or if they don't face some differences in other people, if they don't hear these success stories, mm -hmm. they don't realize that it can be different. And um, so, so 
it's important to like hit that wall and, mm-hmm. and see like okay I can I can really do something I have the power within myself and I can right. change this story and you know like I I can maybe even wake up and start to believe that miracle can happen mm-hmm. because of neuroplasticity in our brain so when we start to put our attention into miracles we will start to see the miracles right what was the breaking point for you? Because you said this is, it comes from your own story of your own mm-hmm. struggles with eating and emotional eating. So was there a point that you remember that you're like, no, it doesn't have to be this way? Yeah, there were many, many uh, like points because like I really struggled during my childhood. It was not really a happy and healthy mm. place for me. Um, so, I think the biggest part for me was visiting other country um, and when I moved to Sweden and I was living there and meeting totally different cultures, totally different people with different lifestyles and um, yeah just the way how they treat each other, how the society was working, how, how was the family dynamics that was really the hitting point where I saw like, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> I haven't seen like this uh, before in, what, in my family. What would family. be the comparison and, yeah. for, for us that don't know? What's the difference for you? What was the big culture shock between the Czech Republic and Sweden? Um, for me, it was really uh, like almost, I would say, there was a huge emphasis on family and the family is on the is the priority and the family dynamic is important taking care of the kids is important and that was like the first time when i saw that the family is really such a huge unit um because i was growing up in like family that like my parents were separated and i was basically just escaping to school mm. to be like in safe place but then I was bullied there so I was escaping to job <laughs> to find yeah. another safe, safe place so I was really like taken out of the family and I basically didn't know how family looks like and how to build you know like nice connections between right. people mm-hmm. so um, I had to le- learn this step by step um, and when I was facing this uh, Swedish environment like I um, was doing just a job on, on myself like I was like first I found their amazing yoga studio <laughs> so I was like going there like basically every day to do yoga and like get in touch with myself and understand and accept all the emotions and everything did open up mm-hmm. uh, it was like you have egg with strong shell and now you have like crack so you know in it <laughs> so all the yolk and everything were just like <laughs> right you have to piece yourself back you're humpty dumpty <laughs> putting yourself back together again. yeah yeah so so that was like really really nice place where um i found it like safe space to to work through it and then um, uh, it went well with uh, practice of uh, acceptance. It is basically a technique where uh, you work with your mind and uh, self-language. So mm-hmm. everything that you are telling yourself, like, you know, all those um, generalizations, like mm-hmm. no one loves me, 
or my parents didn't love me or like th stuff like that so you basically tell it to out loud as many times as you need until you are fine with it it doesn't mean that it's true it okay. doesn't mean that it, it is um real mm -hmm. but it was like space where i could work with that emotion that i simply had in me and it was valid and i didn't want to transfer it on any other person that i need you know so this is something that I think is really important to like accept this emotion and then create shift actually. And um, that shift happened uh, then with any with many other techniques. Um, so I was working uh, in like some hypnotherapies, uh, regression therapies, um, autogenic training, shamanistic practices until coaching now wow. and and this is what I really love because with coaching it is like every day like quick revision where you are mm, what you want yeah. and you can uh, work through it so I, I actually love the connection both like the you know the um, mindfulness and being in sync with your body and minds and emotions and then like really focusing what you want to create in your life so you can, like I mentioned, you can focus your brain to these things and welcome it more into your life. And, yeah, and be able to accept more in your life, right? Um, yeah. When you were in that process, so you're getting to Sweden, you're a broken egg, and you're putting yourself back together. <laughs> and I'd love to know what your relationship with was food was during that time. How did it start to shift? Mm -hmm. Was there a moment where you're like, okay, now this is different? Yeah, I think um, it was up and down, like mm. it was really intense time because I was working in university, I was in a lot of stress and mm. there was like, when you live in different country, you struggle really with many different things, with, um, <laughs> with uh, even like just the situation where to live, um, mm. how to find new place when your contract is finished and especially <laughs> in Sweden this was like hard um, so there were times where I was really paying attention to food and it was like nice but since I actually restrict myself in childhood from food I didn't know what amount is good for me and I was still like skipping meals mm -hmm. um, and I was experimenting a lot so I was trying like this veganism but then when I, w I was going vegan I was really weak mm. so this was not working for me and I put a lot of effort and I still felt so weak so it seems that it didn't go well with my lifestyle that I had actually um, then there was this smoothie period because uh, I think everybody I was, did the smoothie thing and the juicing yeah. thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially when you are a yogi and you go to the yoga studio and you know it's like everyone is going there with the smoothie or kombucha and yeah. uh, I was thinking like okay so so likely this is healthy and I was still like getting more weight and I was like not understanding because I was thinking like this is you know nothing that should create such a huge difference mm -hmm. but it did 
in me because I, I had these cravings and I was stressed and so there was this hormonal disbalance and everything. Mm -hmm. And then um, after this period went uh, down, then I was learning more about what to eat, how to eat. And uh, what really helped me uh, was this journaling um, and noticing what I do eat. Mm -hmm. uh, so I felt that I have more or less some, some view and again, I paid attention to it. That's but then cool. it was yeah. easier. Yeah, yeah. And then it was easier to, um, to keep some structure and plan a bit more. So I will not skip the meals and I will, you know, take care uh, of, of myself. And actually what really was happening was that when I paid attention and I was mindful about around the food, then my mood was better and I was like really much more resilient to mm. all the emotional things that were happening. So yeah. uh, it is both ways so sometimes when we are really down with our emotions we tend to like some people go for this reward seeking food but some people stop to eat at all right and that's the point where you stop to eat at all you have no energy nourishment to deal with these strong emotions so it's good to take little steps yeah that that will actually help you to to be a bit better I'm and glad you brought now, up the not yeah. eating and the eating because both are considered. I'm I'm assuming you're you say that both are emotional eating, right? Because there are people that go For towards me, yes. food and that's comforting, and then there's others that skip food completely. Like I could speak yeah. for like we have both of that in my house. My partner is an eater when he's emotionally upset, and I won't eat. And mm. both both versions cause us to be our worst selves because me, I spiral mm. into anxiety because I have no mm. food, there's no energy, my body's all out of whack and it's doing its yeah. best to keep me up and awake. And for him, it causes um, him to get more down, sleepy, wanting to rest, more internal. So neither one, I imagine, is great for anyone. Yeah, so, so if you go for food uh, and if you are on that um, side that you uh, tend to overeat, I would suggest to stop for a moment, breathe and just write down like what do you feel, how do you feel and be more mindful around it. And first of all, notice like whether you are really hungry or whether you are just angry or upset. And so that would be the first step. Um, and if you are on the other side, then you uh, skip the meals. Um, obviously, uh, this really is not helping our mindset so I would suggest like little by little be, be like prepared that this is your version and have some food that is actually healthy and can comfort you so be more like prepared um, really uh, nice thing that I wish I knew at the time when I was in Sweden was um, to talk about probiotics and how they are affecting our mood, actually. Oh. And I read really interesting manuscripts where um, they took gut microbiome from patients with, who suffered from schizophrenia oh. and they take this microbiome into a healthy mice gut. And these mice, they start to have 
uh, like um, uh, schizophrenic uh, symptoms, wow. symptoms of schizophrenia. Yeah. So if only this was happening in this one experiment, so I would really take care of the cat. And 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 uh, you know, like it it is also helping with people who, uh, to people who has ADHD. Uh, so only this is really supporting our cognitive function. So there are actually tests that you can check your uh, your gut health. Um, okay. So that is interesting to know. And uh, Which, yeah, does it work? Like I know can... a lot of our listeners are parents or work with children. Mm -hmm. Is it the same, or do you know of studies that also the probiotics might help with ADHD in children? Because we have such a growth in that area here. Absolutely, absolutely. I, uh, my friend, she has a kid with ADHD and she really noticed that when uh, they included more kimchi and kefir into diet, like he got really better. So um, I know that not, that not everyone loves and is fan of kimchi, but still you can, you can <laughs> Yeah, good for you, good for you. I'm not really fan of kimchi, but no. I like cabbage. But maybe not every single day. <laughs> no, probably not. So, <laughs> yeah, so, 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 yeah, there are many ways. Uh, so, uh, tempeh, um, kefir, uh, beans, um, or you can just add uh, probiotics, you know. Like a supplement? In, in, yes, in supplement, yeah. Yeah, so, so this is one thing that I wish I knew at that time uh, and I didn't pay attention to it, even though uh, my friends uh, told me to drink kombucha, but again, there was a lot of sugar mm. as well. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's really fascinating. And we before, we've spoken about how when you give some of your clients this task of keeping track of what they're eating, and then they come to you, I remember this one story, you told me that then they come to you and you're like, but I'm always hungry and look, this is all I'm eating and I'm eating correctly. And then you take a look at that log and you're like, well, you're not actually eating enough. You're eating healthy or what you think is healthy, but over the course of a day, it might not be enough for you. Can you speak to that? Is that what most clients, you find in most clients? So I... Um, work mainly with these emotions. So first step, we mm. go through this diary, uh, not diary, but <laughs> journal about mm. the food. And um, that's the thing that many people, like most of the people really struggle with the cravings. Mm. But when we have like these huge glucose spikes, which can be caused, as I mentioned, with the smoothie or with wrong breakfast. Mm. The breakfast is really important in this. So if you start breakfast with this huge glucose spike, then you really have these cravings because you uh, release, you have like this hormonal disbalance. There is more, more leptin that is actually um, like blocking you to stop eat and then you tend to overeat. So like I'm not sure in percentage, but most of the overeaters, it's only because of this. So what do we do first? This is the easiest thing to do. The first step is to balance the glucose spikes. So for instance, if you can choose uh, what to eat first, you eat first like vegetables, then you eat uh, carbs, for instance. 
So if you have a pasta with something green, you eat the green first and pasta second. So it actually helps you the glucose spike like really lower a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, with these actually you have much more energy and when you have much more energy, then it's easier to add next steps, next steps, next steps. And also like many people, like it's interesting how they start day. So many people start with coffee as the first thing that they take to their body so yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah and um what i really suggest to to do is to start actually with water and notice just like this little change is changing really how you feel in the morning um and you can actually add some affirmation or some like mindful practice to it so when you drink the water you can like really feel that the water is a cup of love and you can you know drink that, that love inside and it really set totally different day day setting for for you so only by this then uh, you can play with herbs so so you know there are many things that we've we add step by step mm -hmm. um, and this helps overall the health and then it's easier to to work more deeply with the emotions and mental um, patterns. And you mentioned a couple times about the importance of breakfast for you. If you're saying like vegetables first, when I wake up in the morning, I'm not thinking vegetables. I'm thinking like bagel, you know, <laughs> so what for you would <laughs> yeah. be the like the quintessential breakfast in order to uh -huh. set yourself up for a good day. Yeah, I'm a huge lover of sweet. Yeah, so <laughs> I love sweet breakfast as well. Mm. So for me, uh, it is either like if I want to have something sweet. So first I take just some vegetable and then I take something sweet. So okay. it's not this huge glucose spike and I'm satisfied. Or I can, you know, like I am a huge fan of pancakes and I love them totally. But still you can prepare like better version of them. Mm -hmm. So you can figure out like what the recipe is. So for me it is with uh, like, what is the English word for it? Sweet cottage um, with cheese. blueberries. Yeah, cheese. Yeah, okay. with blueberries and... Um, this is totally satisfying me, mm. but I had to even like go there step by step with this water starting first. Then I use actually um, amalaki, uh, which is really nice uh, fruit uh, and it stabilizes the blood sugar and uh, it is really helping um, with the cravings. It's, it's, I really love it. And what is it? Amalaki? Like, Amalaki, um, it is Indian uh, fruit, uh, okay. so it is, you can find the fruit or you can find like the dried uh, powder that mm -hmm. you put into water and drink it. And it is, it has actually really interesting taste. It's not sweet, it's not sour, it's not bitter, it's something like interesting, <laughs> but I really like it. I really like it and it's at like the plate my palate is different now um, okay. so even now if I would like to buy chocolate I would not eat it when I would like to try some something 
like it happened to me on conference there were this this beautiful cupcakes and i was my eyes were just eating and i think like okay but food should be emotional and you know i'm just here for one time so there is no point why should i try yeah. and uh i was thinking my emotions are good i'm in good mood you know there is no compensation so why not <laughs> So I went for it um, and I didn't like it at all. It was just like a bowl of sugar. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was actually happy that I tried and I right. saw the difference, you know? <laughs> right, because it isn't out of habit anymore. When, you're, when you, you've already gained that awareness, so you're saying, I'm going to try this and I know my emotional state right now. And then you don't just like shovel it in your mouth and swallow Absolutely. it down because it's yeah. something you do. You actually took the time to be like, do I even like this? Okay. Maybe not. Absolutely, absolutely. That that is the difference because, like, if you go there to the table because you are so stressed and you want just to mm -hmm. soothe yourself, <laughs> that's a different story, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, step by step. So it would be overwhelming if you just try to implement everything at once mm -hmm. and then work like deeply with the emotions and mental state, and it it can be too much. So. We just do step by step, little by little. So maybe just uh, do water in the morning yeah. uh, and some uh, think more about arranging breakfast. So it's still pleasurable because it should be still pleasurable. It still should be like joyful to, to eat and to, to have something that you really like. You know, it shouldn't be. That's the reason why people fail when they go to nutrition is because they got that meal plan and um they maybe even don't like it so much um and then the emotions that they have when they prepare the meal is negative then they follow strictly everything and then when the program is finished then they start to be in the same old pattern because they did not enjoy the process so what I really would love people to, to know and do is to enjoy process and find way how they can find more joy in, you know, meal prep, do it with family, find friends who support you. So you switch the recipes. This is wonderful. Like I had my friends and we are talking about like, you know, and, and this food, have you tried this? And it's African chicken and you actually put cacao in it. And I was just like, oh, chicken and cacao. This sounds like <laughs> weird. And you know, like stuff like this, um, and it it is fun, it is mm -hmm. joy, and you can just follow the process so it's sustainable for you. It's lifestyle that you actually want in your life, and you don't do it just because you are unhealthy or you have some body image that is not according to your imagination, but you can actually be in tune with, your, with yourself and go more with the flow. Right. Instead of just restricting things and having to like, I don't know, white knuckle it through. I see that a lot, especially in our culture here. Yeah. Um, and then there's this big debate here, especially, or at least online, between the people that are like, alcohol is fine, especially when it's super healthy or like never alcohol, <laughs> never all the time. Where, mm. where do you fall in that spectrum? So alcohol for me personally is no, because um, I'm really sensitive person and I know that it doesn't make me feel good and I'm in tune with my body. So I feel like um, 
I don't feel good uh, with my body. I feel just like falling asleep and then I have like even if it's just one glass of wine, like next day I, I feel like so terrible. So I don't see purpose to do this for myself. Do you feel that happened because um, of yoga? Because I always joke like <laughs> yoga is the worst. It ruined my life because I can't drink anymore. <laughs> I can't go to sleep late. Was it, were you always like couldn't drink wine or was it having something to do with this process? I think it's metabolic issue for me mm. um, okay. because it was always like this um, mm. and uh, it's not good for me. <laughs> not good for me. <laughs> You have but, that awareness. I'm sure there's people that know it's not good for them and they're still like, well, you know, and still drinking. Yeah, then there is question why and whether they do it just because of the others, um, because they are like so-called, if we want to label them like people pleasers mm -hmm. and they want to be part of group and be cool and, you know, connect with others, which I'm sure you can do many other ways um and with me it's like i i still enjoy being around people who take glass of wine you know i just take water or juice and i still have like really meaningful and valuable conversations with them so i know what's good for me and if they feel like really that now it's a day and it's pleasure for them to just take you know one nice glass of red wine. I don't have problem with it. If it's just like, you know, it's, it's the same, like I take 100% chocolate and I want to enjoy it. Um, it is, it is nice for me. And I know that, um, it's just for, for the pleasure and I'm totally fine with it. Um, if I would take that chocolate because I feel sad, then I would be on alert. If I would go for the chocolate because I'm stressed and I don't find myself at peaceful state of mind, then I would be on alert for myself. So that is something to the border that I would distinguish. Because when you grab it in this emotion state, then it's easy to fall down more deep into this out of control pattern. And if you repeat something three times, it starts to be habit. It's so, even, yeah, and then that yeah. habitual pattern, I feel like, and it's reinforced by society, obviously, but that, like, on Friday, you're done with work, you put in your time, and now it's, like, <laughs> wine time, right? And then everybody's, like, the bars are flooded, like, that's what people are habituated to be doing. Or even when, if they're going home, it's, like, oh, now's the time that I get to relax after work and drink my wine or my beer or whatever and eat dinner and relax. I think there's a, mm -hmm. a re-circuitry that has to happen to like be able to break that habit. Yeah, for me, what you described, it feels like this dopamine release. It's still like the reward seeking behavior. So I would try to find out like first, does it really make me feel good? Like, is it really good for my body? This is really what I want to enjoy. Or is it just that I found this as a reward and I don't see any other option? How can I reward myself? So I would question actually like what kind of situations brings me this reward? Mm -hmm. Like for me, it was like 
that spark in the childhood when I was visiting my grandmother and great-grandmother and we had like these Sundays where me and my great-grandmother were going to a cafeteria and have some snack and it was time only me and her and I loved it. So for me this was like to go to cafeteria was like that celebration time and reward. So even when my great grandmother and grandmother passed away, I still like think about them. Uh, but I can actually think about them in many other places, you know, and I can still keep that connection and be like feel close to them um and reward myself by this little treatment and imagination because even when we just imagine these things our brain start to release the dopamine um so for instance in your case uh, in in what you mentioned like if for instance for these kind of people can be reward to go some, for some holiday and it is still like so many months ahead. You can start to plan it actually, because that planning process is something that is already rewarding and you already start to be in joyful state, creative state. And, and then you actually come up with many other options that you didn't see before. Mm -hmm. Right. I also feel like it's what you're describing is like a lack of imagination, right? We, we tend to think we grow up to be adults and then we do the job and we come home from the job and we relax from the job by like either eating or drinking and then start that cycle all over mm -hmm. again. I think we lose some creativity and imagination there to say like what other things can bring me joy? Like what else can I do that's not just laying on the couch, like <laughs> inhaling Netflix and taking back a bottle? Mm -hmm. You know, there. I think that's why I use yoga as an example of ruining my life is because it allowed me to find pleasure outside of what society was telling me is pleasurable, which I, at least here mm -hmm. is like partying your face off after you get off from work, right? Um, so I think that what you're speaking to is, it's, it could be fun. It could be like an exploration, like what brings me joy exactly. that's not this. Yeah, 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 exactly. I loved it. And it's also... Um like with yoga and any other exercise, like you tend to bring it as a part of routine and then it starts to be more like uh, you have to do this Ashtanga for every Monday and you if, if you skip then you fail and that's also like part of this, like it should be still joy and if you like, yes, discipline is important and we practice it, but still we can practice it with joy and our brain needs variability as well. So when you have this practice to keep it really sustainable and not to be annoyed by, by right. it after some time, you need some changes. And, yeah. and that's why like um, for, for me, it was important to switch different practices. So I tried in yoga and ashtanga and hot yoga and many, many like I think every type of yoga except beer yoga, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I I think this is important to realize. Like, okay, what brings me variability? And still, if you practice one type of yoga, you can like maybe add something new to it or do it something different, like different way. So it's 
challenge your brain a bit and brings more variability um, and maybe play with meditations, different types of meditations as well. So, um, yeah, there are, there are many ways, but when we are in this fight or flight mode, we are still scanning our environment, like what's wrong here. And this is our like default system of the brain to still scanning whether we are safe. Right. So, so then yoga is amazing practice to come back to that creative state of mind, like Mm -hmm. you mentioned. So from that place you can you can find more examples what we what we were talking about like what brings me more joy at this moment what will make me happy now what what can i do differently tomorrow um where can i put my attention to focus to how can i engage more with my family um you know what 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 have we learned together this this day yeah, with that mindset, it sounds like a beautiful adventure instead of, yeah, you know, journey, a journey, a journey instead of a checklist. Yeah, absolutely. So for listeners um, that know they have gained an awareness around that they want to better their relationship with food, what is one thing they can do after listening to this podcast to kind of bring more awareness to that? Bring more awareness to food. I would start with that journaling um, and ask yourself what uh, can I add to my diet uh, that is uh, nourishing me and I really will like it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I would start with that. I think that's enough. And if they felt that they needed support in this journey, where can they find you or find out more about you? Absolutely. So you can reach out to me on my web pages, which is my name, surname.com, michaelachernekva.com. We'll have that um, in the show notes. <laughs> thanks. Um, you can find me on Instagram as well, Dr. Michaela Coach. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, and TikTok, so you can reach out there. You're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. They will find you, and we'll have all you of those You will find links. me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, feel free to book a call, uh, so, you know, we can dig more deep uh, into your personal thing that you struggle with, and um see where where to move from that well thank you i think this work is (laughs) profoundly important i hope folks will reach out to you i want to thank you for being on the podcast and sharing your wisdom with us and taking us on this journey thank you so much it's my pleasure really i'm happy to meet you (laughs) you too i'll see you soon